Let's go ahead and take our Bibles and turn to Revelation chapter 1. Revelation chapter 1. And Revelation chapter 1. And we're going to look at verse 5. Revelation chapter 1 and verse 5. And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead, and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. Let's pray. Lord, help us as we look into your word this morning. And uh, Father, we, we do rejoice in the first advent, the incarnation of Christ. And Father, as we consider this verse and we consider our Savior, uh, Lord, just an attempt to lift him up. That's all there is to it. And we know if Christ be lifted up, he'll draw all men unto himself. So we ask, Lord, at that, uh, to that end this morning that these words that are said would be blessed by your Holy Spirit, especially as the scriptures are quoted. And Lord, we pray for anybody without Christ that this would be the day of days for them. And uh, Father, for your people, uh, that we might uh, grow a greater fascination, appreciation, and love for you. And uh, Lord, thank you for bringing us here. Thank you for traveling mercies. And uh, we pray for those that couldn't be with us this morning, uh, your blessing upon them as well as they look in. And we pray all these things in Christ's name. Amen. Every time a baby is born, there's always a lot of excitement, especially with the family. And, uh, you know, when you look at a baby, have you ever asked the question, well, how is she going to turn out? How is he going to turn out? And I know the parents and oftentimes the grandparents think about these things, but a lot of people don't think about those things. Now, with Jesus Christ, there was a lot said about him when he was born as a baby. And uh, there are a few little predictors. Um, you know, sometimes, I, I'll tell you what, sometimes you can tell uh, the temperament of a child when they come out of the womb. Uh, some of them have a cry, and then some of them have that cry. <laughs> I mean, some of them, you could always tell the strong-willed one, they have that cry that says, bring it on. Okay? Some of you know what I'm talking about. Um, we had one grandson that I said to my daughter-in-law, I said, that's going to be your different one. She said, how do you know? I said, trust me. I know. There's just a certain look they have. But, you know, that's pretty limited. Hey, how about this one? Some are boys and some are girls. Man, I never thought I'd live to have to say that and make that distinction and draw that line. <laughs> some are boys. And boys do what boys do. And some are girls. And girls do what girls do. That's a predictor. But when you stop and think about what was said about Jesus Christ. And we read in Luke chapter 2. That Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. For instance in Luke 1.33. He would reign over the house of Jacob forever. And his kingdom would have no end. In Luke chapter 2 verse 11. <laughs> that he was 
a Savior that was born, and he was Christ the Lord. She also heard this, Luke 2.35, that a, a sword would pierce her own soul also. So you never know how a baby will turn out, do you? But this one turned out to be the Savior of the world. And when we look at our, our verse, if you look back at it again, <coughs> this verse is in three phases, which, by the way, gives you a timetable of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the faithful witness. Uh, that is, during his earthly ministry, and then he would be the first begotten of the dead. That would be his resurrection. And then he would be the prince of the kings of the earth. And that would be his second coming. And someday he will rule and reign for 1,000 years. So all these things are said of Jesus Christ. And all these things beg three questions that these three phases of the Lord Jesus Christ's life Answer each of these. Number one, can I trust him? Can I trust him? Well, let's look at the verse. He's called the faithful witness. A faithful witness is one whose testimony is reliable and truthful every single time. First Timothy chapter 6, Paul says, I give thee charge. In the sight of God, who quickeneth all things, and before Christ Jesus, who before Pontius Pilate witnessed a good confession. In John chapter 18, the Bible says, Pilate therefore said unto him, Art thou a king then? Jesus answered, Thou sayest that I am a king. To this end was I born. And for this cause came I into the world, that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone that is of the truth heareth my voice. Jesus says that there is absolute truth. Jesus said, I came to bear witness to that truth. And then in John 14, he told his disciples, I am the way, the truth, and the life, no man cometh unto the Father but by me. No postmodernism here. <clears throat> you say, what's postmodernism? Uh, maybe you've heard the phrase before and you've wondered what that means. What it means is we're living in, a, in an era where worldwide people are coming to the conclusion, philosophically, religiously, and otherwise, that there is no absolute truth. Truth is whatever I make it. Literally, it's what I make it. Now, to give you the history of this, from the time of Adam and Eve to about the year 1750, people believed that truth was wrapped up in God. Now, you, we may have disagreed who God was and how he revealed himself to us, but Universally, people believe that. I mean, if you didn't believe that, you were, you were easily the one in a thousand oddball. 
on the outside looking in. And that's how things rolled for millenniums. Until you got to about 1750 and the so-called age of enlightenment or the age of reason. And the idea there was that man by philosophy would figure out truth through his own reasoning. And then science came in and people begin to believe, and I remember even as a kid, people saying, well, science will, science will find the answer. A question would come, science will find the answer. Science will find the answer. I mean, it didn't matter. It didn't matter if it was a medical question or a metaphysical question or a spiritual question. Somebody in a lab coat would figure it out. And what did that mentality give us for a little over 200 years, for about, actually for about uh, 230 to 240 years, it gave us dialectic materialism and the fatalism of atheistic communism and world wars. And then the wall came down around 1990, give or take. And people saw what that gave us. And that was modernism for a little over 200 years. Truth would come through the advancement of man's abilities. The smartest people would give us the answers and we would understand the truth. Well, that failed miserably. So now we entered into a period that philosophers are calling postmodernism. And what people are believing is that, hey, whatever I make, uh, of truth is truth. And my truth is as good as your truth, and your truth is as good as my truth. And folks, by that twisted rationale, stop and think with me for a second. Then Adolf Hitler wasn't wrong. Okay? Now, I don't walk out of here and twist that and say that I said he wasn't wrong. I'm saying by that twisted rationale. You read the life of that man, he really believed in what he was doing. And he was wrong. And he wasn't bearing witness to any truth. He was bearing witness to his twisted truth, as he called it. And that's what postmodernism has given us. Now listen, Jesus Christ bore witness to the truth. He was the truth. One writer said no one has yet discovered the word that Jesus ought to have said. None has ever suggested the better word he might have said. No action of his has ever shocked our moral sense, and none of them has fallen short of the ideal. He is full of surprises, but they are all the surprises of perfection. Can I trust him? He is the truth. He is the way. If you're lost here this morning and you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior and you wonder about the Bible, can I give you the Gospel of John challenge this morning? I've never had anybody take this challenge and take it honestly, but that they didn't come to Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. John says at the end of his gospel, 21 chapters, he says, these things are written that you might believe that Jesus, Jesus Christ is the Son of God and that believing you might have life through his name. 
Can I challenge you to do something this morning if you don't know Christ? Get a copy of the Bible. Take the Gospel of John, fourth Gospel, New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And take one chapter a day. Just one singular chapter a day. I mean, just reading it at a regular, a regular pace probably won't take you five minutes each chapter. But before you re- read that chapter, pray and say, God, if this is really your book, and God, if Jesus Christ is really to be my Savior, would you please reveal that to me through your word? And I guarantee if you will do that honestly from the bottom of your heart and take that challenge 21 days, you will know. Can I trust him this morning? He is the way, the truth, and the life. And yes, I can trust him. Number two, the second question this verse raises is does he have the power to help me? Okay, if I can trust him, Does he have the power to help me? Look at the verse again. Look at Revelation 1.5 once again. And notice what he says. He is the faithful witness, and then he is the first begotten of the dead. He is the first one. He is the first one to raise from the dead, never to die again. Now, Jesus Christ raised several people from the dead, including Lazarus, who had been dead for four days. But on each each occasion, uh, this remarkable miracle had the same thing in common. These people eventually would die again, but not Jesus himself. He rose again, never to die again. I've officiated quite a few funerals over the years and sometimes it's it's difficult uh, to have something hopeful to say in the face of death especially when it's a loved one but this is one thing we know is that if the person that passed knows Jesus Christ as their savior because he rose they will rise because he never dies again They will never die again. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 26, and the last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. And the Bible says the wages of sin is death. Folks, when he destroys death, it's over for sin. It's over for death. It's over for the undertaker. It's over for the graveyard. Does he have the power? He has the power of resurrection, folks. You know, the Jewish Sanhedrin, the leaders of Israel in Christ's time, one of the reasons they, they, they had him crucified is they didn't see in him someone who could throw off the Roman yoke. They were living in Roman occupation, and they didn't see in him a military leader. They didn't see in him a man with a large army that could take on the Roman army. But weren't they blind not to be able to discern someone who could raise someone from the dead? Didn't need an army. They didn't need an army. 
the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead. Folks, if, if Jesus can do that, then he can do anything. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, for if we believe <coughs> Jesus died and rose again, do you believe that Jesus died and rose again this morning? Say amen. Okay? Even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. Folks, if you can trust him and he has that kind of power, then he can help you. He can help you this morning. If you don't know Christ as your personal Savior, uh, your life might be coming apart at the seams, and you might be wondering what's going to come of all of it. You turn to him. He said, I came that they might have life and might have it more abundantly. And if he has the power of resurrection, he's got the power of abundant life for you. Number three, let's look at one last thing. Look at the verse one more time. And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. Third question, will he take care of my future? Well, look at the last phrase there. The prince of the kings of the earth. The prince of the kings of the earth. He has ultimate authority over all the rulers of the earth. They are great, but he is greater. Folks, uh, they are mighty, but he is mightier. Millions answer to them, but they answer to him. He is the prince. He is the prince of the kings of the earth. Uh, Napoleon once said, I propose. He was standing there in a room in the palace and didn't know that anybody else was there. And there was a, a, a noble woman back off in the corner, out of his sight, out of his peripheral. And he said, I propose and I dispose. And she said, correction, your highness, you propose, but God disposes. Napoleon was so arrogant that he didn't believe that any man was worthy to crown him, so he crowned himself. Folks, Napoleon knows now who he answers to. He answers to the prince of the kings of the earth. The president of the United States might say to Jesus, any one of them, pick one, it doesn't matter. He might say to Jesus, how can you be ruler over me? I have my office by the election of the people of the United States, a sovereign nation, and by virtue of a constitutional inauguration and installment. And you know what Jesus would answer? He would say, I have my office as ruler over you by God's election and by virtue of my resurrection from the dead, my indestructible life, and my installment at God's right hand. He is the prince. He is the prince of the kings over the kings of the earth. Uh, 
Doesn't matter. Name them. Putin, Zelensky, Biden, Netanyahu, Harper, Blair, Trudeau, Singh, Kim, Abdullah, and Hugh, and throw in anybody else you want. They answer ultimately to him because he is the prince of the kings of the earth. The first century in Paul's time, the Emperor Nero was the most powerful ruler in all the world. When he did this, men lived. When he did this, men die. And he hated Christians. And he burned down Rome and blamed it on the Christians. He finally had Paul beheaded and thought, good, I'm rid of Christianity. I'm done with it. It's over with. And you know what, folks? We name our sons after Paul and our dogs after Nero. He knows now who he answers to. The prince of the kings of the earth. Jesus is ruler over all of them. Now, it's true that this world is in a mess. And you know why it is? Because right now, right now, the God of this world, small g, Satan, the temporary usurperer, hey, Satan, it's your mess. Don't blame it on God. Don't blame it on God. I hear this so often, people. Well, if God's a loving God and God's got his act together and he knows what he's doing, how come this and how come that and that war and this poverty and this and that? Put it at the feet of Satan, the usurper, the God of this present age. And one of these days, one of these days, the King of Kings and Lord of Lords is coming back, the Prince of the Kings of the Earth, and Satan is going to bow both knees and say, Jesus is the Lord. <laughs> Can he take care of your future this morning? Amen. Psalm 75, 5 says, lift, not, lift up not your horn on high. Speak not with a stiff neck, Napoleon. Speak not with a stiff neck, uh, Nero. For promotion cometh neither from the east nor from the west, nor from the south, but God is judge. He putteth down one and setteth up another. And the prince of the kings of the earth. The other morning we had a, Thursday morning we had a staff uh, Christmas party. And... Uh, I took everybody to Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. Uh, let's turn there for just a moment. We'll close with this thought. And let's bring it, bring it right down to where we live here this morning. If you don't know Christ as your personal Savior, He is your answer. You listening? If you're here without Christ or looking in live stream, He is your answer. We're not your answer. Treasure Valley Baptist Church is not your answer. The religion you were born into is not your answer. Okay? I don't care, I care if your loving grandmother practiced it perfectly till the day she died. That religion is not your answer. Jesus Christ is your answer. And let me talk to you that 
know Christ as your Savior this morning. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, an off-quoted verse this time of year. For unto us a child is born. Remember, you never know what's going to come of that child, do you now? A child is born, but of Christ, they said, unto us a son is given. And what? The government shall be upon his shoulder. The government shall be upon his shoulder. You know, I remember when I was a kid, as a lost Roman Catholic... I would hear all this stuff around Christmas time and peace on earth and goodwill to men and, you know, the Vietnam War was boiling and everybody was protesting and hating each other and I'm like, peace on earth and goodwill to men. Did I miss something here? Huh? You ever wonder about that? Huh? You know what that is? <laughs> the Catholic Church should have taken up dispensations and taught them to me. Amen? A lot of other religions should do the same. Hey, that little baby, hey, there would be a cross before the crown. And that talk of peace on earth and goodwill to men, that would take place when Jesus Christ assumes that crown. And one of these days, he will, folks. He will. So you look at this verse here. You look at verse 6. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And it's not apparent then, especially as a little baby, but, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. Hey, folks, not yet. All this post-millennial and on-millennial stuff say, well, you know, he's kind of ruling. No, if he was ruling this world, it wouldn't be the mess it's in now. Give the credit to the usurper right now for this mess. Folks, when he's ruling it, it'll be peace on earth and goodwill to man. It'll be wall-to-wall righteousness. There will be no more wars anywhere. And on and on and on we could go, folks. So a child is born, a son is given, the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. If you're saved here this morning, let me challenge you to think of something before we close. I believe, if you know Christ as your personal Savior, one of these aspects of Jesus Christ has come to the surface only recently for you. Maybe you look at your life and you say, you know what? Boy, he just did something for me that was wonderful. He just did something for me recently that's wonderful. Can you say amen? Hey, uh, truth be known, the Bible says his mercies are new every day. Great is thy faithfulness. But maybe he just did something for you recently that you would have to say was just wonderful. Maybe the next one, counselor. You're going through a difficult time about a decision or, or direction or something you needed to know. And he brought the wisdom to you. And you would say this morning, amen, he's my counselor. But notice this one, the mighty God, the mighty God. You know, the longer I go in life, the longer I go as a believer, the more impressed I am with God's creation. The more I realize why the devil has attacked creation with evolution. Because folks, when we look at creation, we see a mighty God. We see a mighty God. And maybe only recently, you've said to yourself, oh, what a mighty God. Notice this, the everlasting Father. 
the everlasting father. Uh, I hope you had a good father. I, I, I've got a good father. I was going to say I had a good, I still have a, a good father. Uh, but you know what? If you didn't, he wants to be your father. The everlasting father. Hey, by the way, he's the perfect parent. Amen? He's the perfect parent. And maybe today you would say, you know what? He, he is. He is the everlasting father to me. And then lastly, the prince of peace. Yeah, he's coming back someday to set this whole world right. But until that time, we can have the peace of God, which passeth all understanding. And it can rule in our hearts and minds. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this great verse. We thank you for this great Savior. And Lord, um, I, I, I'm not wor worthy to uh, say his name. And uh, Father, certainly, uh, Lord, humanly speaking, come short to try to lift him up. But Father, take your word and lift him up in our eyes. And we pray especially for that one without Christ, that this would be the day of days for them, that they would come to know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, not subscribe to another religion, not sign on another dotted line, but to know your Son who came into this world to save them from their sins. Lord, may they, where they sit or look on or whatever the case may be, just say, Lord, I know I'm a sinner. And I know Jesus Christ died for me. And he was buried and he rose again from the dead. And he's alive. And he wants to wash me from my sins in his blood. Just like the verse said this morning. And I receive that payment for my sins. I'm not trusting my religion. I'm not trusting in my works. I'm not going to kid myself about being a good person in your eyes. You've said I'm a sinner, and you've said that all of my righteousness is as filthy rags. I'm trusting in the righteousness of Christ and his finished work. Father, as believers this morning, those that already know you, we just pray that we would leave this place more encouraged than ever in thanking you and rejoicing and being willing to say a word for thee in a dark, dark world. Bring that light that light that came to shine among men. Father, help us to be a reflection of that great light and tell others about Jesus Christ, for it's in his name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's stand and take our hymnals and turn to number 199, number 199, Joy to the World.
Brother Ken Doty, would you please come on up here and close us in a word of prayer? And uh, you have a great Christmas, and uh, Lord willing, we'll see you Wednesday night. Amen. Let's pray. And dear Heavenly Father, we come to you today, and, and Father, with joy and gladness and cheer. We thank you, Father, for your Son, and that you gave, and he died, and he rose again. And Father, death and hell shall be cast away. But Father, until then, Father, let us think about the blessings on earth that he's given us, our wives, our children, our jobs, our life, this country, this state, this city. Lord, so thank you for today, but Father, we pray for anyone, if they don't know Jesus Christ as their Savior, the best thing they can do is cry out, oh God, please save me, Father. So be with them, and Father, again, thank you for what you did back then, and Father, thank you for what you're doing for in our lives right now, but oh, most of all, Father, thank you for what you're going to do for us in the future. When we do see you and, you, and you, you get us out of this place, Father, and you take care of us forever, and you cast the sin out of our lives, and no more night, no more sorrow, no more pain, no more death. So we ask you to be with us today, and thank you, Father, for all you've done. We ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen.